Welcome to the God's Word Gives Hope podcast, where we are passionate about connecting His Word to your life. This podcast provides opportunities to further feed your soul or simply be replenished by listening. We are glad you're here. Welcome to our first bonus episode. My name is Amy, and Janae and I are going to be interviewing our guests today. But before we get started, I wanted to let you know about a giveaway we are doing during our Fight Like a Girl series. We're going to be giving away the book Soul Care for the Battle by Susie Larson. All you have to do is share the podcast and tag us on Facebook or Instagram. We will have one giveaway a week, and once your name goes into the pot, it's in there for the whole shebang. So make sure you're sharing and um, talking about God's Word Gives Hope on social media and helping us get the word out as we're doing uh, these bonus episodes. Yes, we're super excited. We want everybody to know that our mission is to connect God's Word with your everyday spaces of your life. So one of the ways we can understand this better is by hearing how God has worked His Word out in practical ways in the lives of others. So today our guest is a wife, mom of three, and a grandmother. She and her husband have a concrete business, so if you have any concrete needs, feel free to reach out to us. We'll get you connected to them. But we are so excited that she has joined us today. So welcome to our podcast, Jennifer Smith. Thank you, ladies. It's good to be here. Before we hear Jen's story, let's recap what we have covered so far this week in the Fight Like a Girl series, part one. This series was birthed out of my own struggle with depression and my asking God to make me a fighter because I knew I was going to have to fight this. And I talk about that in this week's blog. This week's battle tactic comes out of Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. I'm going to read that verse. Ask the Lord for rain in the spring, for he makes the storm clouds, and he will send showers of rain so every field becomes a lush pasture. The battle tactic this week is called the ask, and the power of humbling ourselves and admitting that we need help. And we ask God to help us enter our situation and do what only He can do because we need Him. So we took this battle tactic, and for the podcast, we shared a little bit about Esther and um, her story of asking others to join her as she prayed and sought God's will for how she was to approach the king. Um, to rescue her people, and as we were thinking through people who have also um, had to fight for their marriage, for their family, Jennifer Smith came to mind. And so, Jennifer, share with us a little bit about your battle. Well, I just want to thank you ladies for having me on here today so I can share my story. Uh, It goes back to the beginning of 2020. Uh, Everybody was dealing with COVID. The world was pretty much falling apart. And I was experiencing my own version of COVID at home. Most people don't remember, but about the first three months of 2020, it rained almost every day. Mm. And since we're in the construction business, the weather plays a huge role for us to being able to work. So um, financially, we were falling apart. Uh, We couldn't work, lost all kinds of money. We were just in a really, really bad place. And I just didn't realize how bad at the time. Um, Around this time, uh, in a few months, Prior to that, my husband just totally went off. He went off the rails, um, just out of control. He was doing things that weren't making any sense, pretty terrifying stuff. And I had no idea that what I was actually watching was the progression of alcoholism. 
I knew he drank, like socially, but I had no idea that his drinking had progressed to basically a handle of vodka a day. No idea. Um, and you see, my husband is like a lot of other addicts out there, very deceptive, very cunning, very manipulative. He wasn't the homeless person on the side of the road asking for money. Um, he was a husband, father, business owner. Uh, we went to church on Sundays, you know, life of the party, always just, you know, love life. You know, everybody enjoyed being around him. But um, as it turned out, he ha he was holding a lot of secrets and a lot of pain, and he was running from them. And in addition to the alcoholism at the time, he had been prescribed an antidepressant, and he nor I, his doctor nor I knew that he was drinking as much as he was at the time. He was still functioning. That all came to a crashing halt. Um, these episodes that I uh, referred to that he started having brought on by the alcohol um, and the antidepressants. He, ha he would have hallucinations when he tried to stop drinking. Um, we had an episode where he locked himself in a hotel room in Florida for four days straight drinking. He would sit in his truck, drink for hours on end, wouldn't answer his phone, turn off his location. So we had like a little mini intervention um, with some family and some friends. It, did, it just didn't work. He was totally out of control, didn't seem to care. Um, now we're on, now we are in this middle of this financial disaster because of the rain and the lack of being able to work. And now my husband of 26 years was imploding. And I was very lonely um, because you couldn't really tell people what was going on, what walk into church on Sunday and, hey, my world's falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? Yeah, oh, let yes. me tell you. Yeah, that's not generally how we answer those questions. No. We put on a smile and pretend like we're okay. Yes. And when you're dealing with this sort of problem, you're just trying to figure out what to do. Uh, I just remember several times I just fell face down on the floor. I didn't even kneel and just prayed that God would bring my husband back to me. I knew that who I was looking at was not Brandon, that that was, I was staring at addiction basically. Um, and I wondered if I was ever going to even see that man again. So one evening in April, he was drunk in the bed, passed out. I was scared to death. I didn't have any idea what I was going to do with him. And if you've ever been in a situation with someone um, struggling with substance abuse, it's gut-wrenching because all you want to do is the right thing for that person. And what does that even look like? Only thing I did know was that my partner, my best friend, my person um, was struggling, and I knew I had to fight for him because I would want him to do the same for me, right, to fight right. for me. I knew I couldn't leave him in the condition he was in because he was literally killing himself. Um, he was sick, and he needed help, and um, I just I just was like, I, I don't know who I can even trust to send my husband to. So the fight was on, and on April 4th, my daughter, son-in-law, and I took him to a detox facility in Atlanta, and it was just a terrible experience. It, COVID was in full blast, so nothing was operating like it normally did. We had no money, so I had to rely on friends, family, our church to help us get him in anywhere, pay the detox bill. Um, and I kept the books for our business, but I couldn't go out and work. I couldn't go out and supervise jobs. I don't know how to do concrete. <laughs> I can write a check, right? <laughs> So Brandon was in detox for about eight days before he was sent to a um, treatment facility. So while he was in the treatment facility, I learned some more devastating news that not only was he an alcoholic, but 
he also had a pornography addiction. And I can't explain to anybody what that news does to a wife. Uh, and I know there are women listening right now, and I just want to say to them that I am very, very sorry. And I just want them to know that Jesus loves them dearly, and he is right with you in the middle of your mess and your husband's mess. And I want to let you guys know that the pornography has nothing to do with you, but it is the result of brokenness in your man. But there is hope. So at this point, I'm not only fighting for Brandon, I'm fighting for my marriage. Now, all of this, you know, does come at a cost, and I developed uh, major anxiety. I experienced trauma because of all the things that I had been through due to all the craziness that he was doing on top of this pornography addiction news. I couldn't eat. Um, I had digestive issues. I couldn't sleep. I was just trying to make it day by day. A lady um, at our church recommended that I go see a Christian counselor because our church had just opened up a counseling center. So I started seeing her every week, and she had firsthand knowledge of addiction, and she helped me see what part I was playing in the addiction. So almost three years later, I still see her every week, and I am so, so thankful for her. Um, during this time, uh, Jesus led my husband and I to some remarkable ministries, and I just want to encourage the ladies out there that you can get help, and there's help for your kids, and there's help for your husbands. They can help you fight. They can help you find a reason to fight if you're ready to give up. And, you know, in the end, isn't that what God does for us? Mm -hmm. You know, is he fights for us. So through Brandon's recovery, because some people I know are like, why in the world would you stay with him, right? Um, I have never felt like God told me that I was done. I, I was always open to, okay, God, I'm going to keep fighting this until you release me from this. And um, during this time, I was shown my own brokenness and all the areas in my life that needed and still need healing. I can say that one of the reasons I didn't quit on our marriage was because the Lord gently revealed to me just how broken I was. I had my own issues with sexuality, and let's be honest, for those of us who grew up in church, all of us pretty much do. I had my own brokenness from unmet needs as a child. Um, I realized I had some really deep wounds that caused me to react in ways and think in ways that God never intended for me. A lot of times we say, that's just the way I am. You know, well, what if that's not the way God made you to be, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I was finding out. The more I dug into my stuff, the more God softened my heart towards my husband. And it hasn't been an easy road. Um, we've spent countless hours in therapy. We've spent thousands of dollars on recovery. We've spent hours upon hours in recovery groups. I mean, there was an entire season of our marriage that that was our focus. Our main focus was his healing, my healing, once we got to the right point, then we could work on, on the marriage. But we both had to be in a season of recovery before that could even take place. And we prayed a lot, and we had a lot of people praying for us. And, you know, fighting is, is hard work. It's, it's, it's sometimes quitting is the easy thing to do. And it takes courage to fight. 
perseverance, to fight strength. It takes getting real with people. And when those people at church ask you how you're doing, you you, you can kind of tell them in, a, in certain ways. You know, I'm struggling. We're struggling. Um, take it off your mask that we like to put on, you know, to like make everybody think everything's okay. And um, just let the Holy Spirit, you know, teach us a new way of being. It meant getting uncomfortable, but what was waiting on the other side for us was something so beautiful and more fulfilling than we could ever imagine. And we've been on our journey now for almost three years, been married for almost 30, and we just praise the Lord for the amazing things that he has done in our lives. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story. And I think the thing that jumps out at me there at the end is it is a fight. And our families, our marriages, no matter what messages are coming in our into our mind, they are worth it. And mm-hmm. you are worth it. And I love the way you were willing to be humble, to see your part in it and to allow God to meet you there in that mess. You weren't responsible for your husband's actions by any means, but um, there was some pieces that you needed to look at and you were willing to go there. And um, we thank you for fighting. That gives Mm -hmm. hope that it's, that there can be resolve and healing on the other end. And it's not just about your marriage, it's about you too, personally. What are the, some, some of the things that uh, you need to, to heal? And, and I really, you know, we prayed this right before we started recording, but we, we are walking on holy ground because this mm-hmm. is where God was coming beside you, before you, behind you. He was there with you, but you were willing to do the ask mm-hmm. when you got humble enough to say, I can't do this. And then sometimes we feel like we're forced down on the ground, you know, but um, it's really, you know, that willingness to admit. And that's the first step in addiction, Mm -hmm. you know, is I can't do it on my own. That admittance that we need help. So share with us a little bit more since this week's battle tactic is the ask and asking God for help. So share with us a little bit more how the role of prayer was a weapon in your battle. Well, I heard a quote, I love quotes, and I heard a quote this week by Karen Ellis, and it said, prayer is the only weapon no one can disarm. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Basically, I would contribute prayer to saving my marriage. Uh, there's really no other explanation because in, in most people's eyes, this should be a done, a done deal. Uh, one of the first things when dealing with addiction that you're going to hear is you can't, you didn't cause it, you can't control it, and you can't cure it. So I think that kind of leaves you with one option, and that's the Lord, right? Absolutely. Because <laughs> we're not in control. And asking Him for healing. And addiction is a spiritual issue, among other things, and you have to fight it spiritually, not logically. Yes. So you said you've been in the process about three and a half years. And I'm just thinking right when the news was coming all out and your prayers then were probably one way. And now you're still desperately praying and fighting for your marriage and things to continue so that the enemy doesn't get a, a new foothold in. And so can you speak to that a little bit about the different, maybe the progression of prayer? Did you see a progression of the way you were talking to God and what you were asking for? Um, Sure. Um, 
I would like to give you a really good Christian answer here, right? <laughs> the Sunday school answer and tell you like, I arose early every morning and I spouted out these three, you know, verses to the Lord. But it wasn't like that at all. Uh, leading up to Brandon going to treatment, my prayers were pleading with God to ask him to do a work in my husband's life. I was terrified. So they were full of fear, uh, confusion. When Brandon went to treatment, and after the pornography addiction was revealed, my prayers were, went a lot like David's in the Psalms. Um, there was a lot of moaning, weeping. I wasn't even able to put together a cohesive prayer. Mm. And I've since learned that that was due to the severe trauma that I was experiencing at the time. A few verses did kind of start to surface, but it was a really hard time for me physically mentally, spiritually. I had close friends that were praying. Our church staff was praying, family that was praying. And I know that those prayers held Brandon and I up during that time. And as my body became more stabilized physiologically and my brain started working properly again, I was able to pray more consistently and intentionally. As the dust kind of settled, I became aware of my own needs I began praying for provision, redemption of my marriage, not restoration, because I didn't want the old marriage. I wanted a new marriage. Oh, I, that is an incredibly valuable point. Is I think sometimes we just pray, God, can things be as they were? Right. When God does not in any way cause this, but what the enemy means for evil, God will use for good. And so he is taking this and he's crafting this new thing that only God can create. Mm -hmm. So I love redemption, not restoration. Yes. I love correct, that. Correct. And, you know, I was praying for healing for Brandon and I and our children. Uh, the phrase Jehovah Jireh would just run through my head. God will provide. God will provide. I don't have any, because I can't, and I don't know how any idea that this is going to work out. Over the last three years, I would say my recovery has become, my prayers have become more and more specific. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm open, pretty open with God, and I get pretty frustrated. Um, you know, fighting's hard, and you get tired, so I need to grumble a little bit. Um, I'm still in the process right now of healing, and he keeps revealing areas in my life that I need to surrender. And I thought when I said that, that somebody might have the question, what does that look like? God's revealing areas. And what I would say to you is that I know that God has much to reveal to us about our brokenness. And he doesn't dump it all on us at one time. Mm -hmm. So it, it would be too much for us to take. So usually I think it starts with an awareness of ourselves that he brings to light. A little nudge. Um, I had just a little episode the other day where I was really irritated with my husband. And I wanted him to fix it. And it was like God goes, mm -mm, your emotions are yours, and it is not his job to fix you or to make you feel better. <laughs> and and he's right. They're, my emotions are my responsibility. And I was like, wow, light bulb moment. You know, three years ago, I would have just still been ir irritated with him because I would want him to have fixed that. So I'm just learning stuff, you know, all the time. And I think that's how God works in our lives to bring us towards healing is we, we become more aware of the things we're doing. So just be careful when you pray for healing because they can be dangerous prayers. 
They can, but I also think that what I'm hearing and seeing is a beauty of mm. the way that redemptive prayer that you've asked is mm-hmm. starting to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you shared that, you know, through this time, some verses kind of came to the top and became a supporting or a something that holds you up as you pray and you would cling to. So what are some of those mm-hmm. verses that spoke so loudly? Well, as I mentioned earlier, like after the dust settled and my body was coming out of the fight or flight mode, a uh, few sur- few verses did surface. And Jeremiah 29, 11, which I know we always kind of use that for people who are graduating from high school, you know. <laughs> I'm like, it's kind of become like a cliched verse or whatever in a way. But, you know, I just focused on four. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. And I knew that God had a plan for me, a good, good plan, and that may or may not have been with Brandon. And I knew that if he shut the door on this marriage that I could trust that he had something far better planned for my life, whatever that would look like. And that was not a one and done, like I could pray that and that was it, and I never thought about it again. It was just something that I continually focused and meditated on was that verse. And another verse that came to mind was I learned this verse years ago as a child in a children's musical at our church. And that was Colossians 3, 2, which I kind of thought was weird that that was coming to my mind. But, you know, set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. And I would repeat this over and over to myself, especially at night, because everything's always worse in the dark. And it kept me from thinking about all the bad stuff that Brandon had done and imagining even some of the more terrible things that maybe he did do. And it helped me focus on God's kingdom Mm -hmm. and not all the awful things that are going on on this world in this earthly kingdom that are just too much to bear. And I wasn't using the verse as avoidance. I just needed to look to some good in moments of pain. So Focusing on the Lord's kingdom was comforting to me, remembering he was on the throne and nothing escapes him that he had me. Yeah, I love that. And it reminds me, we did a whole series on, uh, it's called Dead to Me, on Mm -hmm. Colossians 3 and the whole idea and the power of of setting our mind like that. So um, we are super glad that you are willing, again, to be here with us and be on the show, share your story, and that, you know, your husband was willing to, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. in agreement with this as well. But, Jen, there is someone out there who is in the middle of a battle right now, uh, and you've already shared a lot of encouragement and words that are speaking to them. I know you have. But if you could summarize into one thing that you could speak into that person, what would you want them to know? Two things. There's help and there's hope. You know, every Sunday our church puts up a list of prayer requests that have come in that week. And every single week addiction is on there. Every week. And I could argue that four of the other prayer requests have something to do with the addiction. There's symptoms of addiction. Anxiety, depression, those, those type of things. Every single week. So I just want to say that if you have a loved one dealing with substance abuse, run, don't walk to an Al-Anon meeting and go more than one time. They have a website where they have week, they have meetings daily, weekly, hourly, but get healthy and get off that roller coaster of addiction because sadly we all have a part to play in that disease. Well, and you know, walking into something like that, it, it can be awkward, it can be hard. And I love that you said, don't just go once. Here's the deal. You have to 
you have to be willing to put yourself into that place because that is where healing will come from. And you will be around people who understand in ways that your family members and your loved ones that you talk to don't. And so I just love, don't just go once and say, well, I tried it. It didn't work for me. Keep going back. Yes. I think the adage in Al-Anon is go at least six times to one meeting before you make a judgment call about whether or not you're going to go back. You know, and it's about getting uncomfortable, right? right. It's about getting uncomfortable. Nothing, none of this is comfortable. The next thing I would recommend um, is a ministry by Dr. Julie Slattery called Authentic Intimacy. You know, we are all sexually broken. We're all sinners. And her team is on a mission to teach Christians what godly sexuality is all about. And she talks about some really hard stuff, but it's life-changing. So I, I recommend everybody listen to her. And the podcast is called Java with Julie. And then if you and your spouse or you or your spouse are battling with pornography, the current statistics for men is one in three men. And it's rising as well for women, the statistic. And I highly recommend a ministry called Faithful and True, which was started by Dr. Mark and Debbie Laser. They've walked this road. And this ministry is on the front load front lines battling all sorts of sexual addictions, including pornography. And Mark's teachings have had a huge impact on my husband's recovery. But both of these ministries have weekly podcasts full of information, but most importantly, hope. Each They've each authored several books I cannot recommend enough. Uh, ironically, I didn't even know these resources existed three years ago. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit led them to me and each has played a major role in my recovery. And then lastly, what I would say is find a safe person to talk to. Um, go see a counselor. If you're dealing with pornography, um, I would see a counselor that is trained in sexual betrayal, if that is um, one of your spouse's problem. And the, the other thing I would say is do not isolate yourself if you are going through any of the things we discussed today. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. And like you said, taking these steps are hard. But we're, you're already in the hard, so mm. choose your hard. Mm. There's a hard that goes towards healing, and there's a hard that keeps you stuck in the mire. Mm. And so I just, these are such great references. And um, if you find yourself in any of the situations that have been discussed, the references that Jen just talked about will be in the description of the podcast. So you can click, you can go find those links. Um, it's so important. Please take those steps if this is a part of your story as well. Now, next week, we will continue part two in the fight like a girl. And our tactic we will learn is? <gasps> I guess we'll have to listen, won't they? So share, like, comment, um, tag us in your Facebook post and your Instagram post to get entered into our giveaway for this series. Now, I want to take this week's verse and pray it over you, our listeners, to end our time together. Lord, you are good, and you are the one that is fighting for us. Lord, I pray that as our sisters and brothers listen to this podcast, they think of their personal struggles and the struggles of those that they love, that you will send the rain for their lives, God, that you will help them be in a place that is growing and is lush. You are the God of the storm clouds. You are our anchor within that storm, and you create good through the rain and the care in our struggles. Lord, we love you, and we trust you. Amen. Amen.